Yes, hello, folks. Welcome to the weekly Matches Needed Show. I'm your host, as always, Phil Brian. Join with our now regular fantastic co-host, Colin McGuigan. Last discuss here on this Monday morning. How you doing, mate? All good, mate. All good. Loving life. United are back tomorrow. Life's good. Yes, United back tomorrow morning. Uh, first of all, we'll talk about that, of course. We'll talk about Richard Arnold and John Murdoch being in Barcelona. We'll talk about Christian Eriksen. Uh, we'll talk about, obviously, some of the stuff Ten Hag's been coming out with. And, of course, we will take your questions. Also, late to confirm, starting next week, this podcast will be done live. Um, so we're going to be able to you'll be able to watch this live from a live audience. So if you're not doing anything and um, you want to watch the new Love Island, this is where you're going to find. Highway, highway, it was Love Island. <laughs> we even find something else to deal with, hey. <laughs> You're gonna talk to me. Get Mark over it, John. Um, but uh, lots of uh, lots of stuff to talk about, mate. Of course, um, the news with that Richard Arnold and John Murdoch are in Barcelona at the moment. Um, lots of stuff happening there. Barcelona agreeing a deal with Leeds for Rafinha, and understand that Leeds have asked Barcelona to give a declaration of funds to show that. Uh, proof of funds that they have that money in the bank. Now we start to see things happen with De Jong. Like one way or another, the, this, is, this has to come to an end. Uh, we, we just can't, can't, this can't continue. So some very encouraging signs that uh, was, you know, Richard Arnold's the closer. Yeah, well, I think, first of all, it's come out there, Gerard Romero said that um, they've been there twice. So that's even more, um, like, that fills me with more confidence that it, they're closing the deal. In terms of De Jong, me and you have both known for a couple of weeks from from your contacts inside United that this deal was always on the table. I think mm. there was a few spanners thrown in the works. People were getting upset, but it does say, I understand why the fans have this. Like us as fans, we see it as like, why are United always struggling? But we have to remember that the media create a frenzy around United no matter what we do. So even if things are going smooth, the media always create a narrative. In this instance... It is because we're dealing with Barcelona and they're, they're tough to deal with. But I think if we get this deal done, I'm happy. I, I think, obviously, East Ten Hag's number one option. If, we, if we're getting him and we're getting Christian Eriksen and we've got Malassia so far, to be honest, that, I'm happy enough for that so far. We've still got, what, mm-hmm. another four weeks of the window left? Or, well, we've got more more of that four weeks till the season starts. So I'm happy enough for the business. And let's just hope that De Jong gets done in the next couple of days and he can join up with the, the team in Melbourne. I think that would probably be the plan. Yes, um, agreed. I think by this stage, I'll be honest, I think United should have had more done. But we have to look at it, the bigger picture. It's more important, and Ten Hag said this in his press conference today, that you need to get the right players. right? And yeah. you're not buying players for the start of the season. Yes, of course, it's important you need to start well. But you're buying players for the next three, four years. So if that means you have to wait an extra couple of weeks, then that's what it means. Now, we know as United fans, we've been here so many times before, and we're all impatient. We want these deals to happen. One of the things that's clear when you ask people inside the football club about Frankie de Jong, it's that Ten Hag desperately wants him. Doesn't just want him. He desperately wants him. So when we talk about alternatives, I'm not sure there's anyone in Ten Hag's sites that he is that interested in beyond de Jong. Now, if I know that, Barcelona know that, Barcelona know that United desperately want him. They know that Ten Hag desperately wants him. And they're doing what Barcelona should do. And that's try to squeeze every possible penny out of not just Manchester United, but Frankie Dion. Because here's the thing in this whole conundrum. There's only one team that wants him. 
And so as bad as Frankie Dion wants Barcelona, Barcelona don't want him. And they've made that clear. So all this posturing about not being interested in selling is total nonsense. You don't meet with people if you don't want to sell them. I mean, if you'd have rung Barcelona five years ago and asked for Messi, they wouldn't have taken your phone call. That's when someone's not for sale. And so obviously he is for sale. And obviously, obviously, one of the first things you never will have found out is if De Jong was he would even come. So I don't pay any attention to Frankie De Jong desperately doesn't want to leave Barcelona to come to Manchester United. There's no way he wouldn't have found that out right away. And uh, I don't take any, you know, I, I'm not concerned about anything that Barcelona say, but I'm not being for sale. I still would think you be happy? get this deal done. Would you be happy if he's the only midfield signing we make this summer? Or you think he'll be the only midfield signing we no, make? I would be happy because I think when you look at that midfield, well, it's obviously including Ericsson, right? So if De Jong and Ericsson yeah. come in, I think that's a good midfield time. I think there comes a point where you know, they clearly aren't loaning out James Garner until they get De Jong over there. I understand that. But I think when you look at that midfield, three have to play in that midfield. So you're leaving out some decent players there to get a three, especially if De Jong sends. So now you've got De Jong, say Bruno Fernandes. We're talking about Dominic would be my three probably. Well, we're talking about Bruno Fernandes, we're talking about uh, or, or, uh, Donny van de Beek. Will he have a revival? We don't know. We talk about mm. <clears throat> some of the other players that could play in there, of course, so that you start to fit Ericsson in there. So I think that's a really strong midfield. I think uh so so what what is what is your, your three midfielders? Like say I'm I'm gonna name them out there. Mm. So we've got Fred De Jong, Ericsson, McTominay, Bruno. What's your three from that? I haven't left anyone out, have Yeah, so no, I think obviously Ten Hag's gonna play De Jong in that deep band midfield role in the same way Liverpool do with Thiago, and that yeah. he's a link player, start attacks. Uh Bruno Fernandez would be the advanced midfielder, the only one I'm not sure about is who plays in beside him. You know, because Fred and McTominay have very different qualities. You know, and I think McTominay adds a physicality in the middle of the park that you need to size, you need it's a totally different player than anything you need else, anything you need to have, anything else you need to have in there. So I think to me, it's a choice between McTominay and Fred. But again, we're still talking about all the players, top players being left out. And so I think, um, but you have to have, have balance in that midfield. Take a look at other top teams' midfield. You know, Fernandinho is absolutely fundamental to City, which is why they bought Calvin Phillips. You need that ball winner in there too. And that's where I think McTominay will probably get the shit. I think McTominay gets the shit too. I think it's interesting that whenever... Um... Whenever Ten Hag was speaking this morning at the press conference, he referred to what we're looking for. We're looking in the midfield and offensively. Mm-hmm. And that kind of ruled out Lissandro Martinez as a defender. Now, maybe not. Maybe that's already done and dusted, as me and you both think it, it almost was. Um, in my yeah, opinion, Lissandro Martinez... Yeah, Lissandro Martinez is someone that can play in defensive midfield as well. So, is it potentially that that Ten Hag signing him because I could see even Luke Shaw shifting into a third centre back this year. In my opinion, I could see Malassia starting on the left and Luke Shaw being the the third, the left of the three, well, with Ferran and Maguire, which is obviously an option that would be good for us to have because Shaw does have pace. He's not the tallest. He's probably similar in size to Lissandro Martinez. Well, what's interesting, Colin, is 
Ten Hag saying Maguire staying the captain, that means Maguire is also going to be a starting centre-back. So yeah. it's Maguire plus somebody else. So what does that well, say to Varane? What does that well, say no, that, to Lindelof? That, so, that so tells you bring me that we're going to have five. Yeah. That tells me that we're going to have five at the back, though. And I think that's where the Luke Shaw thing shifting works for me. I also think the reason why he's kept Maguire as captain, in my opinion, is that he doesn't want to come in and upset the apple cart in terms of he doesn't want him rest. He doesn't want that media frenzy around Maguire's being dropped. He knows how much that's going to affect Maguire. He needs Maguire this year. I think at some point, don't rule out the captaincy being shifted. If the first half of the season goes tits up and Maguire's been an atrocity like he was the last couple of years, maybe that maybe that happens. You know, down the line, whenever he's more established. Because I, I like you. You think of anything. You come into a new job. You don't want to go in and take start start chaos. He doesn't want it because he knows the media are going to go crazy about it. So I can understand why he's kept Maguire's captain. Because he said things that were very interesting in that press conference. He was re- referring to Maguire as this kind of like a superstar defender with all these uh, achievements. But really, that was just talking, like me and you are talking right now. He was just waffling. He didn't want to give any specifics about Maguire. And that told me a lot. In my opinion, I think that's because he doesn't want the upset thing. Yeah, I can understand that thought process and I can understand if that was... I can understand why some people would think that and I can understand that mentality, but it gets harder to take it off him the longer you give it to him under Ten Hag's way. Because if Ten Hag strips him in six months, it looks terrible, right? I mean, when you come into the club, you can strip him and you can say, I'm not stripping you because of anything that's gone before. I'm not stripping you because of your body of work. I'm not stripping you for any of it because I wasn't here. I'm doing this because this is what I feel is beneficial for the team. So it's not personal. Don't take it personal. You can't do that in six months. If in six months he turns around and says, I'm stripping you of the captaincy, hey, why? What have I done wrong in the last six months? Because the clock starts ticking then. But you, let, let's, be, let's be honest, though. He, he can't perform any worse than what he has been performing. No, I don't think he so is this, any is worse. It's like a... Is this a shades of Sir Alex back in the day where he instills a bit of belief in the Harry Maguire? You know what? I am the club captain. Den Hag believes in me too. I'm going to come out and I'm going to perform this year. Whereas is it a quiet word in six months? Look, Harry, I should have changed it at the time and I give you the opportunity. But now, look, you're still not performing. I have to make a change. I'm the manager of this football club. You're, st- you're still a-, a good centre-back for me. I'm going to use you, but you're not going to be the captain anymore. I could see that type of, of Ten Hag in six months if... Maguire still hasn't stepped up to the plate by then. The only way, well, that's what I'm saying. The only way that happens is if Maguire has a poor six months. You know? Yeah. So, uh, in, in which case, if he gets stripped because, as they said, his body of work over the next six months is really poor, it looks even worse than taking him off, taking it off him now. Maybe it's a question of there aren't many better options. You know, because uh, I don't know. I look at that United team, and maybe it's a indictment on them. Yeah. There isn't a lot of other alternative leaders. Look, this goes back to what I was saying about Ronaldo, where I feel it's almost something personal. That this nonsense about the Champions League or it's signings, that it's just nonsense. I mean, you go back to when United sold Ince, Hughes and Kinchelskis. And they said to Cantona, were you worried about United selling their best players? Because now nah, I thought I could win the league in my own. This is exactly what he said. And he more or less did. That's the mentality that United need. Not a spoiled brat. By the way, what Ten Hag said is really interesting. 
So Tenag said Cristiano Ronaldo hasn't once told him he wants to leave the football club. So the fact that that got leaked weeks ago, despite the fact Ten Hag also said that he's had a very good conversation with him about what they're going to accomplish this season, is so disrespectful to Ken Hag. It's so disrespectful to United. It's so disrespectful to the fans. Cristiano Ronaldo last season, when he was linked away with Juventus, two weeks before he became United player, put out an Instagram post slander and slaughter on people linking him away and it was disrespectful to the club he played for disrespectful to clubs he was linked with because of his past relationship with Real Madrid where, where, where's that Instagram post now where is it we, and I, to be honest I want him back there I don't want him back in the dressing room I, I, he can well, go you go what you want and what you need is three totally different things I want a lot of things in life what do you, what need, what, what, what do you need from Ronaldo we need his goals, mate. We've got no one. We have got we've got Anthony Martial who we sent out on loan to Sevilla. He didn't perform there. He came back, right? I'm hoping we see a different Anthony Martial, which we might. We've got Marcus Rashford who couldn't hit a barn door last season. Mm-hmm. Again, I hope I hope it's a different Marcus Rashford. But at the moment, Ronaldo is all that we have and the only goals that we can rely on. And when I say rely on, I mean someone that we know will score us goals. Because everyone else that we've got along that forward line don't guarantee you goals. It's not well, like we have even like a Chicharito on the bench anymore that we know, you know what, we throw him in, he's going to get you a goal because we haven't got that. Well, So here, in my opinion, we need Ronaldo and we, we need him bad now because we're in a position where there's not many people out there that we can sign that we can, that'll get us goals. You need a goal scorer. but don't necessarily need Ronaldo. I have no doubt about that. That I mean, Ten Hag, as we both said about 10 minutes ago, talked about the need for wanting forwards. He needs forwards. We know that. I have no question about that. But what United don't need, there's a cost-benefit to everything. What United don't need is a football club completely customised towards one player. Because Ronaldo, that's what he asks of you when he comes to a football club, is that you customise everything to him. Right? Everything is geared towards him. Everything has to go through him, the dressing room. That's... One of the reasons why a lot of top clubs don't want him anymore because the juice isn't worth the squeeze. Because you bring a guy in like him in the dressing room, completely changes the dynamic of the dressing room completely, right? And and look, he he go down as one of the greatest players in the history of the game, no question about it. And he's in his prime. Any football club in the world would take him. He's in a similar situation to Neymar. Neymar's thirty. Who's paying big money for Neymar? Almost nobody. So Cristiano Ronaldo no longer has the pick of where he wants to go because that cost-benefit no more is not quite the same. He's not the same commercial juggernaut as he once was. And even if he's if he is, most of that is related to either United or Real Madrid and primarily Manchester United. So Cristiano Ronaldo has a wake-up call. Like, here's the thing, Colin. If you do what he did, and we're not going to labour this because we've talked about it in previous podcasts, George Mendes should have an offer on the table for Manchester United. If not, this is treachery. But to to do to upset the football club, the mood in the dressing room. If I was a United player, I wouldn't want him back in that dressing room. I I just found, I think he's definitely going to stay. I think it's it's not even a question anymore. I think he's definitely going to stay. Can't see him leaving. I think he's going to stay. I think. It maybe will give us the kick up the backside that we definitely need another striker. I think someone comes in, but I think it also it strengthens Tim Hagan because, in my opinion, he's not going to care about dropping him there. He knows at the end of this year he's going. 
So if he needs to drop him here and there, he can do it. If if we send another striker that's performing better, he can he can start him. Whereas before, the result was that kind of loyalty. Oh, you can't drop Ronaldo. You can't do this. I don't think Ten Hag gives a shit about that. If I'm honest, I think Ten Hag will probably look at this that his hand's been strengthened now. He knows Ronaldo's not going to stay beyond this season. Give me one season of a few goals, Cristiano, and let's see where it takes us. Who knows what could happen this season? Well, here's the thing. From you need to basically have once January comes, you need to have to prepare for life without Ronaldo. They have to. If they're not thinking about that now, if you take a look at Real Madrid, Real Madrid bought two many and they bought um Camavinga with anticipation of replacing Cruz and Modric. And that's exactly what you do. You know, United brought Van der Beek in with the expectation that Paul Pogba could leave in the hope that he could go into that position in a year and that's proper contingency planning. So United are going to have to buy sugar, whether it's this year or in six months. But what they can't do is wait till the end of the season. And so, because you, you may be the guy like you find out with Van der Beek you bring in isn't good enough. So you don't want to find that out when he's your only striker. So I think um, for United, if Ronaldo doesn't get this move, this plays right into their hands because now he completely marginalised himself. And when you don't have someone willing to snap you up, your ability to give ultimatums to people diminishes greatly. Ronaldo will have no more ability to go to Ten Hag and play me or I leave. Okay, leave. Tried that one before. Where are you going? Where are you going that's better than here? I, that's okay. You want to throw a strap? It doesn't quite have the same impact when you're at the top of your game in 23, 24, 25. When you're 37, you've got nowhere else to go. You know, that's the that that that's just the circle of life where you eventually get old and you get eaten by another predator. And so Christian Ronaldo's in that later stages where, hey, you know. This is as good as it gets for you right now. I've seen a lot of uh, questions. People are asking us about uh, Moussa Dembele. He's someone, you know, I wouldn't mind. I think he's young. He's, he's not he's, he's not young, young. I think he's maybe 23, 24 now. He scores goals. And he's someone that would be a different alternative, in my opinion. So I wouldn't mind seeing someone like him. I didn't even think of him before, but I think he would be all right. And it looks as if he's available anyways. Yeah, I look, I haven't seen much of him since he left Celtic. Um, obviously, a good young player. We'll get into that in a minute. Uh, we'll, we'll cover some of the other potentials. But um, he is, I suppose, someone that would fit the profile. Uh, maybe he's a bit similar to Martial. And that he's a good, skillful mm. young forward. Um, technically very good, very quick. Uh, one of the problems is, and we've said this before, is the old-fashioned number nines. You know, the Chicharitos, the Cavani's, those... Gold sniffers are they're, they're not there anymore. So you you're really yeah. looking at it. It's just of course why Spurs went same with Charlison because they're just there's just not that many of them. This is why Lewandowski's in such demand because there isn't many of them. Why Barcelona don't or Bayern don't want to let them go? They're really hard to replace. You have to change the way you play to replace someone like that. So, um, being I I think that for United, um, as we've said before, they want Anthony. They looked at Anthony. The price that Bar- uh, Bar- uh, Ajax are looking for, Anthony, would be a record transfer. They're pretty equivalent to Frankie de Jong, Steve. And my question is, can you really pay for a player 
from the Dutch league with that much confidence that they're, that they're an eighty million pound footballer. I don't think you can ask for eighty million pounds if you're a player in the Dutch league. I think your ceiling is about sixty because there's still so many variables. There's still some, we're not sure. Maybe right. He is good, but we we don't know how is he going to adapt to another level of football. When you have open question marks like that, I think you're looking at the Dutch league, like the Portuguese league, and that I know they they got that for for Darwin Nunez, but I think you're looking at about a sixty million ceiling for the Dutch league, and I I don't think you need to go above that for anything. Forget about the the Dutch league for a second. Why would we pay that money for anything? In my opinion. When we've got Sancho, Riceford, Alanga, Martial, they're all similar players, aren't they? He's not an out and out nine. We don't need that type of player. We need an out and out nine. Well, I asked this question a few weeks ago. I tweeted it a few weeks ago. And I saw Melissa Reddy talk about it yesterday, actually. Um, I didn't want to get snarky, but Melissa went after Fabrizio Romano earlier in this, the window for putting the story out there that she had put out first. And I felt like saying, go ahead and credit the source, Melissa, if you don't mind. Um, when I said that you needed weren't looking at a number nine, she basically repeated word for word what I said. I'm not saying she got it from me, but anyway. <laughs> so I had asked this question a few weeks ago about whether you needed were going to send a number nine or not, whenever the whole Dom and thing was going down. And what came back to me was very unlikely. That they're going to, you know, they were going to sign a number nine. And so, obviously, we spoke about Anthony and confirmed as a player of great interest. And But clearly, this is a player that Ten Hag has looked at what you need to have and decided this is a player they need. So, you know, ultimately, he's going to make unpopular decisions. You know, you saw the reaction to the Brand Brobby rumors, and obviously, you know, they're playing poker. So I'm sure they're probably showing an interest in Brian Brobby and I hope that they can force Ajax's hand with Anthony. Because Brobby would be a replacement for Anthony, a much cheaper one. Within Ajax's budget, a player fits their profile. You know, they're going to want him. So if you need to get involved in Brian Brobby and they, they, they have to sell Anthony anyway, I don't think that works out in Ajax's favour. And obviously the Lissandro Martinez situation, you know, they're desperate to get that deal over the line. They were confident on it a few days ago and I think they will get that deal done. I think um, we'll start to see stuff happen now, this week. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I personally have no problems with, you know, being interested in players like Brian Brobby. You know, Ten Hag's going to make decisions that aren't popular and you have to back them. Yeah, I think I think that's important as well that, that the fans don't get on us back. There is definitely going to be decisions that he makes that are mind-blowing to us as fans, but it's all for the, the end goal. And I think like whenever you've got someone like Randnick who we never thought was going to be the permanent manager, if he makes a decision, I can understand people getting on us back. But we really have to just keep the faith this year because it's been like a merry-go-round of managers. It's been always their decisions as I said like there's always a media frenzy around United so anytime someone makes a decision that's unpopular the media make it into something that sometimes it isn't and I think it's important that Tim Hag's given the time and he's given the credit where it's due at points whenever he does make these these tough decisions and they work out in his favour and I think in my opinion he needs to try and think about the bigger picture of things this season and I think he will I think Obviously, we're we're gonna we're gonna see a different 
style at United. We're going to see a different. Even even you can tell. Like, did you see the Bruno Fernandez, uh, the Bruno Fernandez vlog? Yeah. Look how happy those players are, and I know it's a new season, but just look how happy those players are compared to what we've seen last season. Let me ask you. We've this. seen. Go ahead, man. Yeah. No. Um, what I was going to say to you is, this, right? Let's just say United don't, and this is a thought experiment, I'm not saying it's actually going to happen. Let's say United don't send another player, right? Because mm-hmm. I've seen some stuff written online, and I must confess it's a bit ridiculous, but being the worst squad, a relegation squad, and all that, on am seeing, you know, hyperbole. If every one of those United players played to their full capability next season, how bad is that squad? Or how the squad it? at the moment... If every yes. player played to their full capability, we'd have a, a team that would finish fourth. I think you need to have a top four team if everyone plays their ability. So Ten yeah. Hag's basic primary remit is to do that. To make sure that every player you have right now plays to their ability. right? Plays to their full strength of their ability. And so I don't believe it's as bad as people make it out to be. You need to badly need strength in it, there's no doubt. But I think when I look at those training sessions, what I what what encourages me is the intensity that Ten Hag's demanded, and that's what I want to see. When I when we talk about what do we want to see in Manchester United next season, I want to see United go into big games where I have hope they can win them, where they can be competitive, where they impose themselves, where there's an identity, where you can have belief. Because even if you lose games and you can see the progress is being made, that's okay. You know, we're all we're all patient on the Ranić too. Patient on the Solskjaer, you know, we know that's going to happen. But what I want to see, and I and I can see, you can see it in those practices that's encouraging, the, the quickness, the intensity, the speed that, that Ten Hag wants. Because so many times, you know, its intensity last season was lacking. It was awful. And so a good start is important because that will continue to provide the, the, the positive atmosphere. Once you need to start winning games and have momentum, a lot of the problems they have now will disappear. They disappear when you have a positive atmosphere. I don't care what job you do. If you're not happy doing it, everything, every aspect of it is painful. When you love, when you're happy and you love what you do, you bend over backwards, you run an extra mile, you do all the other things. It's, the happiness is the first part that has to happen. And it, you know, a lot of United players were upset. I think I made a cover this on the podcast before, but but when Ranić was out, slaughtering him in, pod, in, in press conferences because they felt there's a lot more to the story the club have betrayed us, a club have done this, a club have done that. You're not telling the whole story. So they felt that it was unfair that they were being solely blamed for the problem. Now Ten Hag is coming. You see how happy they are, the intense in the training sessions. And it's all so encouraging. I can't wait to see Ericsson there. Um, obviously, it will have to be very stringent with it, with his medical. And what people don't understand is they had a verbal agreement with Ericsson. But the terms and everything else, which of course are not going to be a problem, have to be agreed, have to be high styled, have to be looked at by lawyers, intense medicals done. I have no no concerns about whether that deal will be done or not. I, I have no concerns. I mean, obviously we understand that it's going to be a, a very stringent medical approach that's going to take a bit of time. I think that's why we actually haven't probably seen him link up with the squad. I think there, there's talk of him linking up in Melbourne with the squad, um, mm-hmm. which is good. But I think as well, Last season was a big confidence thing. You go from getting drubbed by City and Liverpool with Solskjaer to a new manager. There wasn't really any 
period of time where we put four or five results together. If we can get off to a good start, like looking at our first five home games, they're tough. The home games are Brighton, Liverpool, Arsenal, Leeds, Newcastle. That's our first five home games. If you can get a good run at home and a bit of confidence going, I don't I don't see why why there's not going to be a total turnaround from what we seen last year. And I'm talking even if we don't make a lot of signings because we do have the players there that if they play at the, the best of their ability, they're good players. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, look, I'm expecting to see much better from every single player that we see next season. And I'm sure we will. Um, so obviously there's going to be a couple more new signings. So I, I think there's a lot of room for optimism. Here's the thing, Colin, for United, and one of the reasons why this summer is so important. Thing to get dark very, very quickly if United are parsimonious in the market. If United go out and don't bring in another two or three top players and they start poorly, it's hard for me to see how the United and the Glazers could do anything other than to arrest that slide and that decline. Because they've addressed it in two different ways in the past. Under Fergie, they were successful. There was trophies, so that appeased fans. And under the post-Fergie, post-Gilp era, it's primarily been appeased through new signings. Well, when you can no longer deliver success on the field and you can no longer do it through new signings, what do you do to appease that anger? What else do the Glazers have left? They don't have anything left. They don't have the money anymore to go out and bring in flashy new signings to, to get fans to leave them alone for a while. They don't have the success on the pitch to do that. No. And so this is where I feel this summer, and we've said this so many times in the past, but I really do feel this is important because we're faced with so many unique global crises that affect the financial markets, how Glazers operate this football club, how they borrow money, how, how, how they fund it. And these, this, oh, you juxtapose all these other problems that are all intersectional, that are all, all, all related. I really feel like this is the last door of the days for them. It has to be. There, there, there's no more. There's nothing else left, as you said. They've exhausted all avenues. This is it. This is the last roll of the dice. If this one's wrong, they have to go. From a money point of view, it just doesn't even make commercial sense for them anymore, really. You're, you're losing money the more the team declines. You're losing fans the more that the club declines. New fans I'm talking about. I'm talking about young kids growing up. I was very lucky that I'd seen a successful United team and it made me fall in love with this club as a child. But think about the kids at the moment who are four and five watching football when maybe their, their parents aren't interested and they're watching football and they're seeing United getting drubbed by City and Liverpool. It's it's a, a romantic thing for me. Like I, I love going to watch United, but I love that because of the past success that I seen at the club, all the good times that I remember from whenever I was younger watching United. Now, like it, it's terrible these last few seasons. As you said, there's been no confidence going into big games. I haven't sat down and watched United in the past two years and been confident we're going to go out and try someone in a big game. I would say the season before that, I, I had some confidence. I mean, in Solsky United, they beat Liverpool in the FA Cup. Uh, you know, they beat City. They've done a double over City. So, so I would say they, I was, I had that confidence in this year. Solsky finished second. Um, were United were were competitive in big games. I don't know what happened in that final season last season because 
the previous year when Solskjaer arguably could have easily been sacked, when United were closer to the bottom three, when they signed Fernandez than the top three or top four, mm. still finished in the top four that year. It was easy to see why United were in that situation because they didn't buy properly that summer. Right? The players that they bought were woefully inadequate. So it was obvious why you know, they, they were in that situation. That's what worries me about this season is they can't have a repeat of that. And so then they get Fernandez and then they, because they're in a counter-attacking team, they were worked out after two weeks, right? Where everyone knew, you know, they're going to hit you in the counter-attack. Once the team sat in against them, they knew they could, you couldn't dominate, you know, they couldn't dominate possession against you, didn't have the technical players to do it. They were relatively one-dimensional. Then Fernandez comes in, and then they become more than a counter-attacking team. Now they can impose their will against you, and you've got a lot more to defend and think about. So that was really, really important then. That is what you know. You know, can't repeat that, and so I feel that uh, if they can get those other couple of players in, which I think they will, I think if Ten Hag doesn't finish top four next season, then Ten Hag deserves to be criticised heavily for that. I think that's a reasonable expectation for me for him. Oh, I, th- I think that'll be that will be the expectation of Ten Hag that he finishes in the top four. But the harsh reality of um. What, what the club want and what we want are totally different. We want to be competing for titles. I don't know about you, but I'm, the top four means nothing to me. I, I'd rather win trophies. I, I don't want... The, you know, we don't want the top four. That's a Glazer thing. Well, Let's finish in the top four. Be happy with finishing in the top four. Let's show a bit of progression. And I understand people will sit there and say, well, Ten Hag needs time because he needs to try and finish fourth. We need to invest in the squad. We need to invest in youth. We need to see what what's on the next the next year after that, and then we can look at trophies. No, I want trophies this year. What's to say we can't come out mm-hmm. all guns blazing this year and, and win the league? Because I, I know people are going to laugh and have been set up because of how bad we were last season, but no one knows what if could he, happen this year. If he has a repeat of Mourinho's first season, that's an sensational success to me. I think if, you know, if he wins Europa League or something like that, or, um, top four finish, I think that's fantastic. Uh, and yeah, when the, when the Europa League and a, and a third or, or a fourth, yeah, I'm happy with that. I'm not happy with scraping fourth and no trophies. Is, here's the thing, Colin, That, that right? does nothing for me. But there's, so we've got a couple of questions, right? Well, and then we'll get to everyone else's questions. So let's say United... United it's, it, it, we, we, let's, let's cast your men forward 12 months. United need a striker. Where they finish on the Ten Hag will determine what type of striker they get in terms of budget. Oh, no, I, I In terms of appeal. So, no, no, what I'm saying is, so if you needed to finish outside the top four next summer, that means they lose the Adidas money. That means mm-hmm. the reputation is cemented as a Europa League club. That means that the level of player that wants to come to you starts to drop significantly. And so this, of course, is what happened to Liverpool and why it was so difficult for them to go back to the top. So next summer, how you need to play this summer will be so key to what money is available next summer and to what type of player they can attract next summer. If United can finish in the top four, win a trophy or two, and give players the belief that this is a football club that's you know that, that, that has been resuscitated, then you attract players for reasons other than just we're going to pay you a lot more, which United can't do anymore. But I want to ask you a question. So you say top four is a a, a bare minimum. So would that be for Chelsea, right? You would imagine that two goals, you know, top four is a bare minimum. We're not going to question that City and Liverpool finish top four. We know that. 
but it would also be a basic remit for Conte. So Conte, Ten Hag, or Tuchel is going to fail this year. I would throw a cat in there as well. I'm not even thinking they're a serious threat at the top four. But let's just say, from United's perspective, I'm sure Arsenal are probably looking at it from the same way they got it. Yeah. City, Chelsea, and Spurs, right? Right. So both of them, if either of them don't finish in the top four, they're getting sacked or they're leaving. Something's going badly yeah. wrong. So I don't think it's a stonewall nail down guarantee that to get top four. Yeah, we'll have to significantly improve. And I think out of those four teams, you look at two goals already starting the same players. Now you got Raheem Sterling in, right? So he gets the central striker. They're going to be very hard to beat. That's going to be a very good Chelsea team. Um, I, 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 I tell you that's going to be a tight, tight finish. No, I, I look, I agree with you. My point is that we should not be sitting here talking about we should be finishing top four. We should be sitting here talking about we should be winning the league because we're Manchester United. We're not Spurs. Of course. We're not even Chelsea. You know, we, we are Manchester United. We should be sitting here talking about we should win the league and that's where I'm talking about. It's not even in my, my mind that we should finish in top four. That should be a given. We should be going to win the league this year. And I know people sit there and say you need to be realistic. I am being realistic. I'm a Manchester United fan. We're the biggest club in the world. We should be wanting to win the league. And it's because we've got this point where we accept mediocrity. We sit here and we say, oh, you know, it'd be great to finish top four this season because it'll get, it'll get us a good, a good spot in Champions League next year. We'll be able to attract this striker. No, I want to win the league. Top four, yes, at the, end yeah. of, at the end of the year, I'm being realistic. At the end of the year, if we finish top four, yeah, I'm, I'm happy, but I'm not ecstatic about it. I want to win the league. It's as simple as that. I'll never go into a season and say, I'll be happy with top four because ultimately I wouldn't be. Well, here's the thing, right? <clears throat> As you just recently said, what we want and what was realistic things. Not in Forest yeah. fans didn't feel that they should be having to qualify for the Premier League through the playoffs, given they're a two-time European Cup winner. Um, but that's the reality of their situation and where they're at. United's reality of their situation and where they're at is they've made 10 years of horrendously bad decisions one after the other. And as a result, have gone in the wrong direction. And they're miles away from a Liverpool. Liverpool, you know, are one league title away from catching United. They've twice the European Cups United have. When I hear United say they're the biggest club in the world, I often wonder who made that measurement. You know, are your Real Madrid a 13-time European Cup winner not bigger than United? I'd say they are. You know, they do business in a way I could only dream of. They sign players in a way I could only dream of. You know, let me ask you this. If Real Madrid had had the season United had last season, you think they'd be sitting here with Terrell Malasias or only signing? I can guarantee you. They go look no, at when I'm, they send Ronaldo, Ronaldo, Kaka, all those players. What was that in response to? It was a response to Barcelona's domination. That's whenever they yeah. came and murdered Real Madrid 5 0, right? At, at the Bernabeu. That's how Real Madrid responded. Right? United fans have been sitting months in Liverpool and Man City clean up titles for the last four years. What has this football mm-hmm. club done about it? You know, the fact that you needed to sit I know, and I agree. What are we, July the 11th? You needed to have one signing. I I admit that that's ridiculous. I'm sorry. That is ridiculous. If you'd have said to me at the end of the season, that come July the 11th, the day before you need to play their first preseason game, they have one signing and essentially spent zero money because when you add in the Dean Henderson loan fee, 
I would have said, I don't believe you. I would have said, as uh, even I, the eternal pessimist, cannot believe that United would be that inactive. You know, that whatever's, whatever's hindering them doesn't hinder other clubs from doing business. So to me, I think I want players signed. And obviously, like I said, it's better that they get the right players if it takes time. But, I mean, it's ridiculous. They're sitting with one left back so far. A left back. I Look, I agree with you, but this again is to do with the people who are running the football club and how they how inept they have been at their job over the past couple of seasons and how we're viewed in the transfer markets now. We can't change that. The more we talk about it, it gets me angry, it gets you angry. So we're not going to change that. No, and um, I'm not saying that. I know we know that. But then don't be surprised at United's feelings, right? Because there aren't massive surprises. I'll call it a feeling at the end of the transfor window. Oh, I agree. I think I tend to judge them. Right now, I think think we can't judge that because, you know, we we could have three times by this minute. We don't know. It looks like we might. I'm not judging them. I'm just saying I'm frustrated. Right, it's not a, a final judgment. I'm not saying you know what, judge the jury. We're, we're, we've concluded that you're impotent idiots and that all this. I'm not saying I'm just frustrated at the fact that we should have had more business done by now. Ten Hogs team should have a lot more shape. There should be more players out. There should be more players in, and you know it should be starting this preseason game tomorrow with three quarters of their business done at least, and instead. None of it is really being done. We don't know if they're getting a centre back. You know how long? How many summers have we been through this? How many? We don't know. You know, Solskjaer didn't know if he was getting Sancho. You know, same with Anthony. Same with De Jong. Look, make these deals happen or move on. This is absurd. You know. Anyway, go ahead, mate. We'll start getting let's, some questions. Let's, yeah, let's find the questions in before we wrap it up. So, um, so Graham Hall here said, "Do you see a possible revival for Marshall? It's too late." As there's a lot of fans, including himself, are fed up with him. To be honest, I, I'm on the defence in this one. I think there's definitely a possible revival for Anthony Martial. He hasn't showed us anything. He didn't show us anything at Sevilla. But I think under Ten Hag, he's not the type of person who's going to let him get away with being lazy. So I think it could work um, to Martial's advantage. And he could become that player that he came when he first came onto the scene. I'm not sure what your thoughts are on it. Well, if you're Anthony Martial, you have no more excuses. One of the reasons why he allegedly got upset was because he lost his number to Ibrahimovic. Now another reason was because he was moved from the from central striker to back out way. Here's your opportunity, son, to fix every problem you claim to have. This is the reason why you can't be successful. If you want to be the central striker, that opportunity is there for you. Okay, you should be doing everything right now in preseason for Ten Hag to say we don't need another central striker. If that's what I'm, if I'm Andy Martial, and if you can't motivate yourself now to be that player. Then tell me what challenge right now would motivate Anthony Martial to be the best Anthony Martial. This is a question for him. It's a question: How badly do you want it, and are you capable of staying consistent? Because he's such a moody player, right? You know, are you capable of remaining consistent throughout the season and and remaining you having faculty discipline, mental discipline to remain focused? That's going to be the question. Yeah, um, I totally agree with you there. I think it's. It's all if buts or maybes at the moment, but let's but, see how he performs will in, say, in pre-season Colin, and then we'll judge him at the end of that. What I will say in Anthony Martial's defence, I do think sometimes he's unfairly maligned. If you go back to his first season on the Van Hall, that kid essentially carried the team. 
Right? Yeah. No, so, I agree with you on that. So, the best Anthony Martial is a 25 goal a season striker. Anthony mm-hmm. Martial should be what Son is at Spurs. That's what he should be. And unfortunately, he's not really got that of recent time. So let's hope this season he can. Um, Bezos Kajko asks, what's the hold up with Ericsson? It's strange that he's not already with the group. Well, first of all, a couple of things. Ericsson was on holiday, right? Secondly, obviously, Nedder being very strict, stringent on the medical. Thirdly, all he really had from him when the story broke that he was going to United was a verbal agreement that he was going to United. But in terms of personal terms and everything else, all that still had to be agreed. The contract still had to be agreed. So, you know, I'd said last week and was asked about this that, you know, there was still some work to be done on it and the verbal agreement was there. So it's just going through the formalities of getting paperwork done, getting the stringent medical done. Obviously, Ericsson wants to be back in training as quick as possible and United want him out as quick as possible, but there's a process. And so um, insurance companies demand rigorous uh, medicals these days and so, you know, there's going to be no issue with agreeing personal terms. There's going to be no issue with anything. It's just going to be a question of when uh, Ericsson passes that medical. Yeah, this is an interesting one um, from Chris Matigi. He said, why is Richard Arnold talking about Barca officials if he suggests that he wasn't involved in transfers anymore when he had a dig at Woodward? Is this more lies? No, it's not that. It, it, he's being clever. Listen, it, first of all, as I've said, me and I have talked about this many times. Um, the financial aspect of these deals is done by Richard Arnold. That's where he has oversight. John Murdoch's degrees are in football. They're not in business or finance. There is no way the Glazers are letting John Murdoch go into financial negotiations where there's millions of pounds on the table where just reading the wrong word incorrectly you know, um, you know, can cost you millions. You know, so whenever the likes of what Richard Arnold and stuff does, they're the people like Matt Judge, everything goes in. Obviously, Matt Judge is not there anymore, but they go in and negotiate the structures of the deal, how deals are going to get paid and all that. Or that's not that's not uh, John Murray's, you know, that's not his role. And no, to be fair, no director of football and world football is negotiating the financial structure of deals. That's Richard Arnold's job. That's the financial people's job. So, um, and to say that he wasn't involved, by the way, as I've said before, Ed, Edward Wood was heard at those comments to say that Richard Arnold wasn't involved and some of that stuff is just not true. Yeah, um, I think we'll, we'll go for two more. So the first one is, do you still expect the likes of Bay and Marshall to leave the club? Mm. Or does the fact that they've gone on tour on Mike Jones and Brandon Williams indicate that they'll be at the club for another season? Well, I think they'd let Bay go, especially if they get Lissandra Martinez. And that's the goal. And United were confident on Lissandra Martinez. You know, United are. I know there's this myth on social media that United love all the speculation. They maybe used to, but they don't anymore. And oh, I'm going to add another point onto this in a minute because it's important. So, by obviously, United want to sell. You now, Ranjik wanted to strangle, right? So, uh, there's are certain issues with his attitude and what have you behind the scenes. Just that's what I'm told. I don't know if it's true, but I believe it based on what I've been told and who who told me it. So I think United would be would be more than you know, Phil Jones obviously left behind, Brandon Winners left behind. These are players United are gonna to look to sell, um, move on, Shalatieri gonna go out on loan, Alvaro Fernandez gonna go out on loan. Um 
Uh, so, uh, Bay is definitely something that would be looked to sell. Martial is different, on the other hand. Uh, Martial, you know, United have got no serious interest in Martial. Um, no one's taken Martial without a loan option to buy. Uh, and this is the problem for Anthony Martial in a similar situation to Ronaldo, and that you need to prove yourself where you're at, son, because you don't you don't have anything better than this right now. So, um, you know. Ronaldo, like we speak, we've exhausted that topic to death. But Anthony Martial has to prove he's a top level striker at Manchester United. So, um, you know, you go back a couple of years ago and he was at his peak. There was lots of clubs that were interested in Martial, but Mourinho wanted to swap him for Perisic for a reason. And so, Anthony Martial has to get back to the form that he had first game of the season. And maybe just maybe, or for his first year, maybe just maybe it's about a coach that completely believes in him. I think Solskjaer believed in him. So it's good got amazing formative him two seasons ago, but it's just it's been too long. And for him, I mean, I just wonder, Calm, if he had a really if he had a really strong couple of months, he would be in the French national team for the World Cup. So the incentive for him is massive. Oh, the incentive the incentive's huge. If he if he starts the season off well, he could work his way into that French team, no problem. 100%. So and that, by the that way, for me is exciting. He's twenty six, and I've made this point before. That's when Cantona came to United. Yeah. And <laughs> and completely revitalized his career when he found the right club with the right person. I'm not saying that there's this they're the same in quality, but 25, 26 is early to rate a footballer off. And just want to make Absolutely. one one other caveat there because <clears throat> um I want to want to make this point clear to a couple of people. First of all, I'm not a journalist. Okay. Uh, and, and I want to make this point clear because uh, I have nothing but the utmost respect for journalists. There's two types of people. Journalists break stories by doing unbelievable amounts of work. They do tons of research. They contact people and they break stories. And there's no question that's where the heavy lifting is done. That is a lot harder than someone like me who has the ability to ask certain people because I know them if a story is true or not, then comment on it. This is why I don't break stories, but I can confirm if something is true or false. Get the real credit goes to the people that do the work that break stories, right? Because that is a lot harder to do than what I do. So whenever people say, oh, how come you didn't know John Murdoch was in Spain twice? Because that's not my job. I don't do that. Huh. You know, if someone else breaks it, I can check and see if it's true or not. You know, but in today's world... There's huge confusion between what is a commentator and what is a journalist, and commentators deliberately blur that line to give the veneer of respectability of a journalist, but they're very different things. And so uh, that's out of yeah. respect to legitimate journalists, but also to those, because I had a comment from an individual last week saying, whenever I was talking about Broby, saying, oh, you know, you took that from someone else. I would like to believe the people who follow me long enough to know, know me yeah. long enough now to know that that's not what I do. Absolutely. So, uh, any more? Are we done? That's us done, mate. Okay, I think folks. we've covered all options. Yes. Uh, thanks to all of you, folks, for all your downloads, likes, retweets, follows, everything. Don't forget, we are going to start doing this live next week. So, give us a follow at Beyond the Pitch or my colleague here at Colin McGuigan. Uh, and, uh, or you can follow myself at Malakans. We appreciate it. If you're on Facebook, folks, search for Beyond the Pitch first Facebook page, give it a like. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff coming. Uh, we'll start putting it out uh, August. I've got a lot of stuff coming, uh, which I'm excited about. 
um, new stuff. So thanks for all of you for all your support. And I uh, will be back with more United content throughout the summer. Take it easy, Thanks mate. Cheers, 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 Cheers,